Good morning. I'm going to start with a quick game. We're in the middle of our vision series, and uh, so I'm just going to uh, get it up on here. We're going to play a little game to see who knows the vision statements of Yeovil Community Church. So uh, if you think you know uh, a vision statement, why don't you raise a hand, give us a shout out. Let's start with, uh, how does it all start? By God's Spirit and working in partnership. Okay, if you're on the leadership team, I don't think you should be shouting out because you should know these. By God's Spirit and working in partnership, we are committed to. Anybody know the first one, which is a new one? So uh, this is a good test. No? Good, because we're talking on it this morning. Okay. We'll, We'll skip that one then. How about the next one? Tide of family breakdown turned, that's right, seeing the tide of family breakdown turned wherever we serve. Another one? Something to do with justice or something. Yeah, that sounds about right. We're going to do that one in a couple of weeks. That new one is living generously, challenging the cultures and systems that create injustice and actively loving those affected. Okay, we've got two more. Anyone? Resourcing the wider church, absolutely. That one says resourcing the wider church to bring about kingdom transformation in our communities. And one more. Seeing new communities of believers established in Yeovil, the nation, and the world. Well, you guys have got this nailed. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's good to be together. Um, Turn to the person next to you and tell them they look great this morning. There's even some hugs going around. What a good way to start. We get to, be, we get to be community together. It's so exciting that we are unpacking these vision statements because these vision statements are our direction. This is where we're heading as a church. So actually, it's good to start first. And actually, they look great because we get to be community together. I wanted to start by telling you a few things. I am an adrenaline junkie. Some of my happiest moments are spent... Uh, on a snowboard or on a mountain bike uh, or paddling into a wave on a surfboard. Not particularly great at them, but uh, some of my happiest moments. In fact, yesterday we went to um, Bovington to the tank training area and did a a duathlon, which was run, bike, run, getting completely covered in mud. Some of my happiest moments are fueled with adrenaline. I think the reason for this is because for me, in those moments, it's impossible to be half in. You can't half paddle into a wave or you miss the wave. You can't be thinking about your emails whilst going off a jump on a snowboard, or you will die. (laughs) Maybe not die, but it's pretty bad. You have to be all in. You can't be distracted with the other things and the concerns going on in your life, actually. You have to be all in. And I think for me, the reason why I want to start here today is because this is what we're talking about. We're talking about being committed and all in. How many times in your day-to-day life do you get to be all in? Be honest with yourself for a minute. How many times in your day-to-day life do you really get to be all in? Fully committed to what you're doing without distractions. Without your phone pinging. Without the pressures and burdens in the back of your mind of, I've got that assignment to write. Or there's that thing in the house that still needs to be fixed or sorted. Or there's that situation going on with my parents. Or there's that situation going on with my children. Or How often in our day-to-day do we get to be all in? 
So this vision statement that we're starting with today says, by God's spirit, we got it on the screen? Isn't our cube fantastic? <laughs> In case you didn't know, actually, uh, the cube is an artistic representation of the six colors of the dimensions. Uh, it's supposed to be a prism, and as the six colors come in, one light comes out, and that's Jesus, and vice versa. Isn't it wonderful? Okay, uh, so by God's Spirit and working in partnership, we are committed to becoming a community where Jesus is wholeheartedly worshipped, deeply experienced, and clearly known. So we were sat together last year on a Leaders' Day away, and we were praying and looking at the direction of the church, and it was clear that God is doing some incredible things within this community. Um, there is amazing things going on in our local community because of this church. We are a busy, active community church. Um, and in the week, this building is always full of volunteers. There's always evening groups going on. There's always sessions going on. There is amazing transformation happening through these walls. And with that, there's a lot of distractions and there's a lot of outward-focused energy. And as we are a church, it goes without saying that churches spend time worshipping and praying together. We know that. However, we felt, as we were talking and praying about where we were at, that we needed to make it a priority within our vision, within where we were heading as a church, to put worship, prayer, intimacy with Jesus right at the heart of what we're about. For the last couple of years, Adam's been talking about the need to extend the tent in all directions. And this meaning uh, giving you know, increasing space and size, um, giving more room for others to come in and to join us, um, for growth, for us to see more of God and more of how amazing he is. And the way that he felt, and we feel that we're supposed to see the tent extend in all directions, is by making the center pole of the tent higher. So if you imagine a tent with a pole in the middle, if we make that tent higher, actually the tent can expand in all directions. And the way that we do that is Jesus is our center pole. And we can't make Jesus any bigger than he already is. That's not our responsibility. Jesus is already as big as he can be. But we can make our focus and our attention on Jesus bigger. And we do this through prayer and worship. So why do we worship? We are built to worship. It is part of our human nature to worship. I'm hearing the amens from Vic this morning. If anybody else wants to let it out, you're very welcome to. It's good. It's part of our human nature to worship. God created man and woman out of the overflow of his heart and in his image to love. God, amen. <laughs> God in himself is love. There is perfect unity within himself. In the three in one, there is unity and there is love for one another. And we are made in the image of that love. We are made to love. Worship is a natural human state. It's just not always aimed in the right direction. Throughout history and the different ages, man have acknowledged this in different ways, whether that's through building pyramids or building monuments that they were to remember moments and significant things, uh, worship is a natural human state. It is something that we are built and made to do. And even now, we find it easy to naturally worship, whether that's worshipping celebrities or YouTube gods, footballers or musicians. And there, there's something so captivating about being at a huge concert 
and being caught up in the middle of this sort of atmosphere. And it's almost like there's this higher connection, whether that's just with the band, but there's like this worshipful moment that happens as there. It's because we are built to worship. And throughout scripture, this evolves in different ways. So I'm going to really quickly give you an overview of some of the Old Testament parts of worship, which I've done before, but I feel it's really important to give us the context. So we have at the start, Adam and Eve were invited to walk hand in hand in the garden with God. Adam and Eve were created for intimate, personal, close, deep, profound relationship with God. God's first plan for man was that we would be in a personal, deep, profound relationship with him. After Adam and Eve left the garden and were separated from God and that relationship, the whole of scripture is a love story of God reaching back to us, trying to rebuild, restore, and reconnect that relationship once again. The whole of scripture is God inviting us back to that personal deep relationship with him. One of the ways I like to think about worship is that actually we get to simply love him back because he's first loved us. And we see this time and time again, God reaches out and the response is worship. Worship is the response to the revelation of God. When God is revealed, the natural response is worship because that's what we're made to do. So jumping forward from Adam and Eve, for a few years we then get to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob and then the Israelite people and the Israelites caught up in slavery in Egypt and God reaches out to the Israelite people freeing them. He frees them physically, leading them out with Moses. They cross the Red Sea and brings them into a physical new place but the baggage of Egypt stays with them. Adam shared on this before how they needed freeing from the Egyptian stuff that was still caught with them and the cultures that they'd adopted and become part of came with them. The gods they'd worshipped in Egypt came with them. The statues that they then built came with them. This was the baggage. And so actually God gave them the Ten Commandments as an invitation of a new way of living, an invitation to be free. Exodus 20, it says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or earth, beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for their sin of their parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. God didn't give these laws because he was some dictator looking for worship to fill some kind of void within him. There is no lack in God. God is looking for worshippers. God is looking for people. God is looking for people to love him and to be loved. Worship is not trying to fill a void in God. God is not looking for that. He's looking for the people to love and to be loved. God was inviting his people back into the relationship with him again. The closeness and unity that was there in the beginning. Situations had changed, but he was reaching out. It's part of this love story, God reaching out. He gave the commandments on how to live and gave instructions then on building the tabernacle. Tabernacle, which was the tent that people came and worshipped at as a way of worshipping him and giving the physical representation of himself. So they had a place to come to. I often think of the tabernacle when I think about worship. And 
the reason why is because the tabernacle, they had to bring a sacrifice. And I've talked on, I've talked on this before, but the people would come to the gates ready, bringing them an offering. They would come with their physical sacrifice, whether that was a lamb or grain or whatever, and they came with their physical offering. They would then enter the courtyard, they would wash themselves, um, and it was like a purification of, I want to be pure as I come into God's presence. They would then give their offering to the priest, who would take it to the altar and burn it, and once again, once a year, he'd be able to go into the holy of holy places, face to face with God on behalf of the tribe. He was invited to come past the curtains to the place where God dwelled, back into that close physical relationship with him. I like that as a model because actually how often do we, when we come to worship, think about our physical offering that we're bringing that morning? What am I offering? How often do we think about washing ourselves, purifying the stuff that gets in the way, and then coming and truly entering into God's presence? It's quite well thought through, really, wasn't it? <laughs> On a, just on a complete side note, I totally forgot about this, but love it. Um, in Exodus, when God's giving the instructions to the tabernacle and how to come and worship him, it talks about the first person that the Spirit of God comes upon, and it's a guy called Bezalel. And the Spirit of God comes upon him to become the master craftsman, to build the tabernacle, to build the tent. And so like the Spirit of God coming upon is where creativity happens. The Spirit of God dwells within each and every one of you. Creativity is alive in you because God is within you. Sorry, side preach, but I just love that. So the tabernacle was the way that we were invited to come and bring an offering, to come and worship God. And over time, when the Israelites settled, then the tent became the temple. But right in the core of their culture, right in who they were, people worshipped by bringing their offerings to God. And then the priest would make the offering for them. So that's there. Then we get to Jesus. Jesus modelled the relationship that God is inviting us into. Jesus modelled this by walking closely and having intimacy with God. He lived an incredible life. He healed the sick, raised the dead, and revealed more of God's heart for man. And then in the ultimate sacrifice, Jesus took the position of the lamb that people had brought to the temple before. Jesus took that position... And he died so that we may have free whole lives, invited into closeness with him. And this is so significant. I just love this every time I think about worship. Is that in that moment when we see that the curtain rips from top to bottom, that is the invitation from God that no longer does the priest make the offering on my behalf. No longer is God separate and I'm over here. We are all welcome. We can all bring our offering. We all get to worship no matter who we are. Another huge, huge play by God in the love story of him reaching back to man and trying to restore that initial relationship that was there in the beginning. Again, God is not looking to fill some kind of void. There's no lack in God. God is looking for worshippers, for people, for people to love and to be loved. And by tearing that curtain in two, he invites us through where only the holy priest could go before. No matter what you do, who you are, you are welcome. We get the joy and the privilege of loving God and serving him, as that is what we are made for. And then after that moment, church was formed, communities of believers who shared communion together, who spent time in God's presence to glorify him, to worship him. And that's what this whole thing that we are a part of is all about. 
for being community, looking after the poor and needy, glorifying God. Which brings us back to our vision statement. By God's spirit and working in partnership, we are committed to becoming a community where Jesus is wholeheartedly worshipped, deeply experienced and clearly known. As a church, we are good at working in the community. We are passionate about the poor and needy and great work in the community without being filled up and breathing in leads us to being a bunch of burnt out activists. Breathing out without first breathing in doesn't work. Okay, I want you all to just to breathe out. Now try breathing out again. And now when you've got absolutely nothing left, try breathing out again. There's nothing left. We have to breathe in. We have, sorry, now you're all coughing and choking. <laughs> sorry about that. Uh, we have to be people who breathe in first. Otherwise, we do become a community of burnt-out activists. And we can do some amazing things. We can set up the most wonderful family projects, the most incredible work with over 50s, the, the you know, incredible groups for toddlers and parents. We can do all of these things, and actually, it's possible that people can come into this building and not know that we're a church. It's so important that, first and foremost, we breathe in the breath of God, the spirit of God, and that that then fuels our breathing out to be able to bring community transformation. So, being a community where Jesus is wholeheartedly worshipped. What does this mean? What could wholeheartedly worshipping Jesus look like? When you turn up on a Sunday morning, what are your expectations? I want you just to be really honest with yourself for a minute. When you're turning up on a Sunday morning, what goes through your head? I'm guessing there's some... Don't like the sound this morning. Why are we singing that song? The words are never on time. <laughs> People are interrupting the flow by coming up and giving their prophetic words. The children are screaming. It's too light, it's too dark, it's too loud, it's too quiet. Or maybe you're turning up and you're still frustrated with your partner after having a row on the way in, or the kids have been doing your head in. Or you're thinking about money, you're worried about money, or you're here, but I'm actually just too consumed with all that's going on at home. Or you turn up, go on then, entertain me. <laughs> Any of that sound familiar? Yeah. It's so easy to turn up with our expectations of what we think should or shouldn't happen. And expectation is the antidote to worship. Because expectation puts me in the position of Lord. Worship puts me in the position of surrender. Romans 12 verse 1 says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Paul's writing to the Romans, urging us to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice, as we saw with the tabernacle. Worship is an act of surrender, 
and then it was bringing a lamb or grain or whatever else it was. Now we are invited into that intimacy with God and our offering becomes our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. And it can be a little bit confusing thinking about what's my body offering. So in the message, it's quite helpful, it says, so here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. We're invited to take our normal, everyday life, the things we do every day, the things that are important to us, whether that's food, sleep, work, family, life, and place it before God, acknowledging that he is God and that it is all his. Allowing God to be in every area of your life and giving it all to him suddenly that makes worship goes beyond the walls of the Sunday morning at church. Worship becomes an act of giving God, in, giving God everything I do. My choices in buying things become an act of worship. The way I drive and respond to the guy cut me up coming out of Tesco becomes an act of worship. <laughs> when I place expectation on how things are supposed to be and how things are supposed to happen, I put myself in the position of Lord. Expectation puts me in the position of Lord. Worship puts me in the position of surrender. Very often in scripture, the Greek word for, script, for worship is proskuneo, which in the Old Testament is mostly referred to um, kind of kissing the hand of the king, like bowing in reverence. And in the New Testament, it's in the position of prostration. So, like this. And when you're down here, it's pretty hard to be Lord of anything. <laughs> you can only surrender because everything's above you. But that's, this is the invitation that we come to. And do we come to church ready to bring an offering to sacrifice to God? Do we come to church saying, not my will but yours? Do we come to church saying, I'm all in and want to wholeheartedly give you the glory. There's a story of King David in the Bible, and uh, the Ark of the Covenant has been captured by the Philistines, and uh, the, because they saw that this was the thing that the Israelites were worshipping, and they thought that's where all the power was, and that by taking it away, it would stop them, and actually uh, it caused a lot of issues for the Philistines. In the end, the Israelites get it back, and in 1 Samuel 6, verse 14, it says, wearing a linen ephod, David was dancing before the Lord, with all his might. David had no shame in dancing and worshipping with all his might. David was all in. Wholehearted worship. I wonder what that could look like for us on a Sunday morning if we turned up ready to be all in. By God's Spirit working in partnership, we're committed to becoming a community where Jesus is wholeheartedly worshipped, deeply experienced and clearly known. So what does it mean to deeply experience God? Uh, we wrestled with the language on this one for quite a while. We went around a lot of different words um, because there were a lot of thoughts around can we really, uh, we'd initially said fully experience God. There were a lot of people saying can we ever fully experience God here on earth before we're standing face to face? Um, and actually, are we looking for experiences with God? Is that what we want, or are we looking for deep, meaningful relationship with God? Now, 
as an adrenaline junkie, I quite like those moments of experience and trying something new. And, uh, you know, whether that's putting chili oil all over your pizza, being right there in the moment. <laughs> Anyone who's ever been to a Coldplay show will know the experience of being amongst the thousands and thousands and yet also being fully part of the show with the lights experiencing something together and it's like that with other concerts but we are made to experience whether that's uh, an incredible meal with amazing flavors whether that's witnessing a sunset from the side of a mountain or whether that's being there at the birth of a baby i believe we have experiences because they tie us into the moment they give us memories in that moment and to experience something you actually have to be in there, in the moment. An experience is not something you stand back and witness. An experience is not something you preview on YouTube. To experience something, you have to be there, in the mess, in the crowd, in the middle. And we are made, as humans, with senses. We are made able to feel, taste, smell, see and hear. And I had this incredible moment of worship this week where I was in the kitchen and it was sunrise and we can see this hill in the distance and the sun was just rising up over the hill and there was like this profound moment where God revealed himself to me through creation and actually I made the, the choice to stop, to stand there and to uh, enjoy the moment with God and it was like heaven was touching earth. It was this, almost this moment where my soul connected with God's and he loved that because he loves me enjoying him. Psalm 34 verse 8 says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. God has made us with senses to be able to experience life. And we believe God wants us to have deep, profound encounters and experiences with him. John 4, 23 and 24 says, Yet a time is coming and has now come. When the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshippers must worship in the spirit and in truth. God has given us the Holy Spirit to experience him within us. So I'm not talking in this statement about us becoming a community of encounter seekers, man. <laughs> who are constantly seeking out some outer-body Jesus encounter. Um, at the same time, we are made with senses, however, to experience the world around us. Why would God make us in that way and then not want to meet with us in that way? Offerings at the tabernacle were made by a priest that were separate. You know, we gave it and the, the priest would go into it. Our offering is personal, and personal encounters invite experiences so when jesus was asked what's the greatest commandment he said to love the lord your god with all your heart soul mind and strength and if wholeheartedly worship is to love god back because he first loved us with all of our hearts maybe deeply experiencing god is allowing the spirit to be alive in us worshiping god with our soul could look like allowing the spirit to prompt these encounters with god to show us what god is feeling to speak to us to reveal to us some of his heart to give us gifts to build up and to encourage one another. Deeply experiencing God, I believe, is surrendering to the Spirit and worshipping in the Spirit.
What could this look like for us in our day-to-day lives? I guess allowing God's prompts to influence our conversations. Stopping to enjoy the sunshine. Acknowledging God through the things your family do. What could this look like for us on a Sunday morning? Could look like a bit more spontaneity. Could look like personal, intimate encounters with God. It could look like letting go of our set lists and responding to what God's Spirit is doing. It could mean giving more room to the gifts of the Spirit and being used, letting them be used to build up and encourage one another. Deeply experiencing God is an all-in statement. Like wholeheartedly worshipping is an all-in statement. You can't half wholeheartedly. This is an all-in surrender to the Spirit. By God's Spirit and working in partnership, we are committed to becoming a community where Jesus is wholeheartedly worshipped, deeply experienced, and clearly known. Clearly known. This is another one of those statements that we were questioning, will we ever clearly know Jesus fully until we're standing face to face to him? We said there, you know, Jesus talks about loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul and mind. So if we are to engage our hearts in wholeheartedly worshipping, if we're to engage our souls in uh, experiencing him, Maybe this is the place where we engage our minds. If we want to be a community where Jesus is clearly known, then we need to be a community who engage our minds in studying, understanding, and getting to know him. To clearly know someone, you have to spend time in their presence. You have to be close to them. The more time you spend in someone's presence, the more like them you become. I've realized since becoming a dad that many things from my dad have rubbed off on me, which actually is a major compliment because he's, he is a bit of my hero and a legend, but I have picked up some of his humor, which is really unfortunate. <laughs> the more time I spend with him, the more I learn from him and the more like him I become. We need to be a community who give time to get to know Jesus. Because the more time we spend getting to know him, the more he rubs off on us, the more we become like him. Worshipping in spirit and in truth means we need to be people who are passionate about the encounter and the experience with God, but also people who are passionate about the truth of Jesus and seeing that truth of Jesus revealed in everything we do. John 17, Jesus is praying. And in verse 3, he says, now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. In the context of praying, Jesus is talking about us knowing the true God and Jesus who he sent. We're invited to know Jesus in spirit and in truth. We need to be people who pursue in all aspects. God inhabits the praises of his people. And as we spend time praising, connecting with him, we come to know the one true God. So what could this have been for us? I guess individually that could look like us putting in the time to personally study, reflect, and get to know God. 
we could spend time personally in his presence. We could spend time acknowledging the ways that he's revealing himself to us throughout the week. Imagine if we turned up on a Sunday morning and instead of going, go on then, entertain me, we're turning up with, these are all the amazing things God's been doing this week and now I get to come together with my family and we get to praise and celebrate and thank God because of how good he is. Imagine if we get to turn up and stand next to our neighbor and our friends and celebrate the good things that God has been doing in their life this week. We don't worship God because he has a lack. God is looking for people. He's looking for people to love and be loved. So vision is a, is a statement of intent. This is an aim of where we're heading. We are a church. It's a given that we will pray and we will worship. We feel like at the start of this year, it is right to refocus and to make it part of what we say we are about. Last week, Adam talked about joining in and asking us how we want to join in this year. I want to evolve that because this vision statement is an all-in statement. Like you said, we can't half wholeheartedly. I'm going to invite the band to come up. Imagine if we changed the way we came on a Sunday morning. Imagine if our expectation was simply that we're going to meet with Jesus. Let's not turn up to church because it's something we've always done. Let's turn up with the intention of being people who love God like this. This year, we want to see an increase in prayer and worship and intimacy with God in our gatherings, in our small groups, in our personal lives, in our community. We want to focus more time and energy on worshiping God. I'd love us to do a, a cross-church worship event with the other, the other churches together. We want to see prayer as a priority in our community. I believe God's got songs that he's birthing in people in, the community, in this church that he wants to raise up and release. I think God wants to show us our voice in adoration of him. We want to be a community who push closer and deeper into God. By God's spirit and working in partnership, we are committed to becoming a community where Jesus is wholeheartedly worshipped, deeply experienced and clearly known. The response this morning is really simple. It's a call and an invitation to be all in. We're going to worship. I'd love to encourage you to feel free to move away from your chairs if you want to. To wholeheartedly worship. You can get a flag if you like. Engage your body. You can dance. You can lie down on the floor. You can jump. You can sing. You are free to be you. When that curtain was ripped, we are all welcome and free to come as we are. Let's choose to be a community who wholeheartedly worship, deeply experience, and clearly know Jesus this morning. Shall we stand?
Jesus, we love you. We, we love that you have made us to be worshippers. We love that you have made us to have senses. We love that you have made us to be able to experience you. We love that you invite us to know you, and we love that we get to worship you in spirit and in truth. So Jesus, this year, we want to choose to be all in. This year, we want to be a community who wholeheartedly worship you. And God, where we turn up with expectations, where our own things can get in the way, may we be people who choose to surrender. May we be people who choose to put down, choose to submit, and choose to say, in all things, you are Lord. God, may this flow out from our Sunday mornings into our day-to-day lives. May the way that we interact with one another, the way that we, we hang out with our friends and families, may that be acts of worship to you. God, may we choose to pursue you in our own, own walks. And may we look more and more like you and glorify you in everything we do, Jesus. Because you are Lord. Amen.